0: Whether you're a corporate refugee, somebody that's a midlife crisis and may not want to continue down the path you're on, or you're just trying to figure out what you want to do as you're looking at your life ahead of you, we offer services to all genders, including we specialize in women Mm -hmm. and the military veterans as well, because Mm -hmm. they also have a crossroad there. Mm -hmm. And we really help them understand what their strengths and weaknesses are and where those would fit best in any one of several hundred franchise uh, situations.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Powering Up, our cross-generational podcast about leadership, power, and gender. I'm Ann Doyle. And I'm Monica Doyle. Our guest
2: today is a business leader with more than 30 years of success across the nonprofit technology, automotive, financial services, and retail industries. Wow, that's a lot. (laughs) Uh, And someone I think you got to know while you were working um,
1: at Ford Motor Company? Right. Um, I was the director of North America Public Affairs when Kristen O'Day joined Ford during the Jack Nasser era. And while he was CEO, Nasser made a very serious effort to diversify the senior leadership at Ford, which had been pretty much exclusively male and white, which is still unfortunately pretty typical of the auto industry that today. But Nasser really brought in some great talent from other industries, uh, including Kristen. So we both have had careers that go way beyond the auto industry. Um, And today, Kristen is the CEO and president of her own company, Momentum Franchise Group.
2: Well, I have a lot of questions about what she's learned about leadership, power, and gender working in so many different industries, but I've never heard of the Momentum Franchise Group. So she's going to have to explain a little bit about that if you wouldn't mind, Kristen.
1: (laughs) And those are exactly the reasons why we invited you to have a powering up conversation with us. So welcome, Kristen.
0: Thank you, welcome to uh, to both of you. It's great to be here today and have the opportunity to meet with both of you and, and talk a little bit about Momentum Franchise Group, but also more importantly about powering up, leadership, gender, and kind of all the issues we're dealing with and have been dealing with over the last several years. Exactly. Um, first of all, well, we want to
1: hear about that, your leadership journey and all those things, um, but I never knew there was such a thing as like an executive, executive recruiter for franchises. Is that a fair way to explain your business now? That is a sum- perfect way to summarize
0: it. Basically, Ann, what I've done is I've taken all of the things that I've found over my career to be a challenge. So I've spent many years helping people get very successful in figuring out what they want to do and how to do it. Mm -hmm. And that could be anything in their career that might have been a stumbling block for them or a diamond in the rough that didn't know how to get to that next position or that next um, ladder on their corporate career. And I coupled that with something that I really enjoy, which is business strategy. And Mm -hmm. so I took a step back and said, What do I want to do when I grow up? And I still haven't figured that out, but this (laughs) is the next journey, the next step in my journey. And what I really do is I help people realize there's life after corporate at every level. So many people get out of school right away and they'll go, Gee, I got to go right to corporate, got to get my job, check. Mm -hmm. But you're finding, and Monica, you're probably a great example of this. Mm millennials don't really always want to work for somebody yeah but they don't know where to go next Mm -hmm. and what that journey is going to be so so many schools are taking on the entrepreneurial degree or at least some classes and what we're finding in our company is that whether you're a corporate refugee somebody (laughs) that's a midlife crisis and may not want to continue down the path you're on or you're just trying to figure out what you want to do as you're looking at your life ahead of you. We offer services to all genders, including we specialize in women Mm -hmm. and the military veterans as well, because Mm -hmm. they also have a crossroad there. Mm -hmm. And we really help them understand what their strengths and weaknesses are and where those would fit best in any one of several hundred franchise uh, situations. And so we broker or matchmake, between their skill sets and the franchisors, and we actually bring them together. And our fees are free to any client, because what we get paid for is actually making that match with the franchisor, because they want the best of the best.
2: Wow, that's and so it's been a
0: Yeah, so it's been a great opportunity, it's been a great journey, and we've brought in now, we're a staff of 10, and we expect to have a staff of roughly grow to about 20 to 25 uh, within our next year. So, so what, it,
2: what kind of things um, are you working with? So you mentioned like, um, you mentioned like businesses and stuff like that, but what kind of businesses? Like, I'm curious to know if you work with any like artists or anything like that.
0: I work with almost any type of business. So it depends on what you want to define as a business. hmm so what we look at is we have 30 different disciplines of business organizations that we deal with. One is automotive. Okay. We have retail. We have specialty retail. Think of coffee shops and sandwich shops. Mm-hmm. You can think of some of the big ones out there, I don't want to plug any of them. <laughs> um, you can look at things like service business. And what we find is a lot of individuals really want to get into business but avoid the risk of starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. And so they're concerned. They're going to put their hard-earned money into developing this business or working with a franchisor. And the nice part about a franchisor is they have the proven operating manual. They have the manual. They have the systems. They have the processes. And really, from day one, you're, I don't want to say turnkey, because there's a lot of strategy that goes in. There's a lot of... um, business acumen that needs to be brought forward, and a lot of people skills. But so, go, if you wanted to start day one, you're pretty much there.
2: Yeah, so, so you, you do get some people who are kind of flying by the seat of their pants, but is it like mostly people who seem to have had this idea all along, or like you said, midlife crisis more of?
0: No, it's actually been a variety of different scenarios. Some people, I would say the very small majority, have wanted to be an entrepreneur their whole lives. Others have just decided throughout various different experiences that owning their own business or being in charge of their own destination is what they wanna do. And it really comes down to two factors. One, what lifestyle do you want? Meaning, do you wanna work nine to five, Monday through Friday? Are you more somebody that wants to you know, have Let's say a hands-off approach, but yet still want to be involved in a business. So that's one segment. And the other is, what are your financial goals? What do you need or want to live on? And what do you need or want to leave as a legacy? And so those are a lot of the questions we'll walk people through. And then what kind of business model do you want? Do you want to work at home? Do you want to be in an office or a storefront or a small industrial area? Do you want to be hands-on operator, or do you want to be an executive model where you're hiring managers and they're kind of doing the work and you're being the one that's shepherding them through the process? Or do you want to be semi-absentee, meaning I want to be an investor, I want to own, but I don't necessarily want to be there day-to-day running the business? It- and so all of those are very different models.
1: But when you you talked about the fact that uh, this is your services are free to people, because obviously your business model, I mean, you're going to make your money as a as a business by finding a match with uh, an excellent candidate for these franchisees. But that means that, I mean, people have to have a certain amount of money. I mean, they've got to have a certain amount of resources to come to you for you to um, invest your time in working with them. Isn't that right? I mean, Correct. how do you vet people? Several different ways.
0: One, I want to know what they've thought about thus far in owning a business. Where's their mindset? What are they looking for? And then ultimately, financial comes out of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And realistically, some of these businesses do not take a full suite of you know, 401k and everything that you own to get into business. But most franchisors will take 30% down or less. And you'd be surprised the number of financial institutions that we work with that are so well versed in lending against a 401K, helping to fund through a small business loan. We work with SBA and Women in Business. Um, We work with Vet, which is a vet organization that helps also uh, bring funds to the table. And so what we actually do is we look at all facets of somebody's portfolio,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then we help them make the best decision. And you're right. There's times where we will sit down with somebody, and they may have the best intention, but with $5,000, they're not really going to get very far in owning their own business.
1: So what However, would you say is the price of entry? I mean, just, I mean obviously, there's a big world out there but really in terms of being serious about being ready to consider uh, being a candidate right. to own a franchise.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing right now is, is their credit score viable?
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: we help them get their credit score up if they need to, but having a credit score of around seven, between 680 and 700 is probably the price to entry because most franchises are going to want you to invest in either a storefront, meaning a lease, things along those lines. Mm-hmm. If you're a home-based business, you're still going to have technical overhead when it comes to systems and processes. And so you need to be able to fund that. So there's a couple of things. One is a good credit score. Mm-hmm. Two is what kind of liquid cash is available to you. Mm-hmm. And you'll be surprised when somebody really wants a business, where they can go to for funding for their liquid cash. So you like to think that somebody has about six months of operating bandwidth from a liquid cash perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: that can range depending on what franchise you're looking for. But most franchises will say anywhere from $35,000 to 100000 of liquid cash.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it's your net worth. Minimum entry is about 200000 in net worth. And I know that may seem low for us, Ann, but, Monica, that may seem very high for a millennial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so how do you start working? Now, those are guidelines. They are not cut in stone. Mm-hmm. Some franchises will say if they're really good, they've got strong passion about the product, they really want to do X, there are some that we can move people through very quickly and get them with their first or second franchise without meeting all those criteria. But
2: so, there's ahead. still
0: other hurdles they have to go through.
2: So one thing that I can't help but think talking about all of this is, do you feel like there's sort of a lack of education about this in schools? I mean, m- millennials especially are paying so much money to schools and then leaving with very little preparation in terms of you know marketing themselves
1: is that something I would totally
0: I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um I'm going to take a step back. I remember 25 years ago when just getting people to understand the power of what internet and internet development was and getting the colleges, very few colleges other than maybe the top 20 to 30 while they all had computer science programs and were teaching HTML and coding, mm-hmm. they weren't teaching the fundamentals of putting it together to help drive business.
2: Well, and as an art student, I feel very similar to that. You know, we were taught everything we needed to know about art and color theory and all of this stuff. But then as soon as it came time to put a value on our own artwork, we were stuck. So Bingo. yeah, and, and so like, it sounds like the services that you're offering are fantastically valuable. And I guess my biggest question that I can't help but wonder why they're not teaching this in college. Well, I think they're teaching entrepreneurial. Uh-huh.
0: What they're not teaching you is then what? Yeah. Great. I need to know the finances. I need to know Business 101. I need to know how to build a website.
2: I need I to mean, know how to
0: get my product out there. It sounds like I that's what do you do. It,
2: is then that's what? exactly <laughs> what I it do.
0: It's the then what? And like Anne walking going and talking about powering up and you know, mm-hmm. how to enable women and drive them, right. I do the same thing. So I'm out speaking on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Forget if you use my services. I'm not about using me. I'm about empowering people to have a better life for themselves and their families. Well, and what and is, I can,
2: go ahead. I had, what are what some of the, the better ways that you have managed to reach out to young people with this type of stuff? Like, have you gone to campuses and speak about this kind of thing? Because this was the kind of thing I would have loved to sit through a lecture of in college. I
0: would love to get invited to campuses, Believe it or not, when you call the schools and ask about talking to them, they're kind of shying away from it because they really want, at this point, I should say some of the, the larger ones, are looking for more the big names that are out there. They want more the franchisors to come in
1: mm. versus
0: somebody that's going to help. You're never going to get an executive recruiter walking into a college talking yeah. about what it's like to be an executive recruiter. It doesn't happen. <laughs> really? Now I ha- Why? Now I ha- <laughs> yeah, exactly. It,
1: now it I seems ha- impractical.
0: I have talked to many universities and have, got, and have been invited to several to talk with them on the programs. And it's come in through part of their entrepreneurial network. Or in some cases, they have a large alum. So I happen to have degrees, executive degrees from, from three large universities. Connecting with them has been great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have got a website like powering up, we're going to be creating Momentum, which is going to be a podcast on a regular basis that's going to feature a different franchise on a regular basis.
1: Oh, there you go. And so
0: that will help educate a little bit. But then every opportunity I have when I'm in different parts of the country, I am speaking to groups. So I will have an educational session. We have one coming up in a couple of weeks where we have 100 people coming. Whether they become clients of ours or not, that's, you know, that'll be great. But it's one more way we're reaching out and helping people to realize the power of being in business for themselves. I've actually had most recently, my, my most two successful millennial clients have been people that have come to me via word of mouth. When I've sat down with them, they've said, oh, I don't have this kind of money.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> one was struggling with college. And I'll be real honest. He was a a junior and he said I've wasted my parents money Like, explain to me (laughs) and he said I I really like these classes but in order to get my degree I'm going to have to go X I'm like okay pause for a second degrees are great I believe they're a rite of passage I think they're awesome and you never want to be that person that's vying for a job and the only thing holding you back is your degree so I would never tell someone not to get it however Maybe you need a break. Maybe you need to be in the real world working on your passion, and maybe something like that would propel you. Fast forward. He had that conversation with his father. Mm-hmm. His father looked at him and said, if I'm going to spend $40,000 a year putting you through college and you're not going to get there in the next three years, then you're going to take that money and you're going to get into business for yourself And let's see if you can do it. Yeah. Mm. And so that was a really good success story. Mm. He's doing well, loves it. Is it going to be the end of where he stops on his journey? Absolutely not. He's going back to school. He's just doing it differently.
1: Interesting. And, And so that's another way
0: of helping somebody realize what their potential is.
1: Right. Well, I want to back up for a minute, Kristen, and um, get a sense of your own leadership journey and um, perhaps um, some defining moments or something that you would share that really, uh, when you look back on it, is part of your passion today for helping to empower others. You know,
0: I think I have to go back early on in my career. Um, We started talking about work-life balance. And your ability to work at home was
1: this a man said, who's who you were talking with yes. or a woman
0: it was uh-huh. a man mm-hmm. no it was a man there were no yeah the person i report to <laughs>
1: exactly
0: had, i was the only female on his staff yeah and they needed somebody to lead the work life initiative so that at that point ford was trying to get more and more people to work from home right I said fine i'll do it but everybody around this table needs to work from home one day a month because if you guys don't do it Your team's not going to feel comfortable and think that they can actually do it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And one gentleman literally raised his hand and looked at me and said, Kristen, you have to understand there's a reason we come to work. (laughs) And that is? (laughs) He's like, well, we all have wives at home, and and, we want to come to work. I'm like, "Uh, yeah, (laughs) I don't have one of those. Um, In fact, I'm relocating from Chicago right now, and I have nobody to unpack either, and I bet you all had somebody to do that for you too. (laughs) dead silence out Mm -hmm. of the seven men that were sitting there six of them ended up working from home one day a month and the other gentleman retired (laughs) seven months later Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he was the one that didn't want to work from home so i was raised that you never put anybody else down and you can't and when you're in business i don't care what Generation, you are, I don't care what label you have on, you're all there because you bring something to the table. It's finding out what you bring to the table and how to leverage that to deliver on what the goals are.
2: Well, and one thing that I would actually like to know as well, especially after those great stories, is um, what do you notice between you experiencing this in the workplace and having to help? women nowadays experience it. Because I've heard, I've been growing up listening to Anne's stories about dealing with sexism in the workplace, and I can say with confidence that things are different now. They're not so much better, they're just different. You know, like it's almost differently the way that the sexism is delivered. So have you had to sort of help women through that type of thing when they are the ones that want to do this?
1: But wait a minute, I want to understand when you say they're different, Mm -hmm. help Kristen and I both understand like what you mean. So So this
2: guy says, well, I have a wife at home and blah, blah, blah. Well, nowadays, I feel like that's less likely something that you're going to get. You're going to get something a little bit more backhanded. You know, he came straight out with the, well, I'm a man. I have a wife and at home, blah, blah, blah. But nowadays, I feel like it's a little bit more sneaky. Mm. You know, they've, they've noticed that women can respond to the blatant sexism. And so they've started coming at us with backhanded sexism.
1: Like undermining you? Wow. Yeah.
2: Like um, like that story that we heard from the uh, advertiser for the Tigers. She said she walked into a room and sat down and they said, we'll start when your boss gets here.
1: <laughs> That's pretty blatant.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's backhanded. You almost have to think about it before you're like, wait a minute, I need to address that. Kristen?
0: Yeah, here's two things. I think it depends on where you're working. Mm -hmm. And and let me say it that way, because I've literally worked all over the globe Mm -hmm. and being the senior leader of a fortune three company, going to Japan and taking my team with me to go over there and develop some things customs there are very different Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't matter you still present your business card and you present it in you know order of seniority but they're still going to talk to the man before they're going to talk to the woman that Mm -hmm. still happens today yep that's culture yeah when they look at your card and they realize you're the big boss (laughs) they still don't let their guard down yeah okay just the way it is you go to India although I think it has dramatically improved I can remember being there not more than seven years ago and bringing books of nice girls don't get the quarter office <laughs> and first break all the rules. Old books, I agree, uh-huh. but still have very powerful messages in them. Yeah. And one of the things that I talk to the women there about is even when they get their reviews and they don't agree with what's written in them, they still do not challenge them. They accept them, they sign them, and they move on. And when we have these conversations on why, a challenge of any sort in their culture is seen as insubordination, mm-hmm. and they don't want to get fired. Yeah. And so we've had conversations over, have you tried this? And we've talked through, gee, Mike, I realize that you see me in this light, but if this is a scenario in which you have you know, made this decision, or form this opinion, can we talk about it? Because if you understood where I was coming from, it might not have seemed so bleak or so black and white. Mm -hmm. And through conversations and role-playing, three of them over the course of their next review came back and said, I tried that approach. And you know what? He listened. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That That was number one. Number two, we had a woman in HR, but not in any other managerial roles. And so we brought her in and had her meet with the women, too, but in a very informal setting. And when she was hearing this, she was aghast because she was educated in the U.S. So she had a, an appreciation for business, but not for what was really happening with some of the reviews at the mid and lower levels. Right. And so she started getting involved. And so that's why I say it's different in different er- in different regions of the world. Um, now you fast forward to the U.S. I think we're a little bit more open here now than we were 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think the whole Me Too has gotten a ton
1: of awareness, not just in yeah. I was equal interested. In, I was interested in your perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm as I well. Think, yeah, I think it's
0: gotten a lot of for the right reasons um you know people aren't going to put up the whole sexual harassment that's happened and and i've got many friends that are in the film industry so i'm probably closest to that scenario mm-hmm. and it does happen but people are worried that they'll never work in the film industry if they don't at least uh suck, i don't want to say suck it up but try to push it off and move on mm-hmm. um, rather than making an issue of it Rather than making an issue of it, business over the last 15 to 20 years has put in many whistleblower-type activities. And it's not just about corruption in books or somebody doing something against company policy. It's there in in the HR world so that the sexual harassment doesn't happen. How many classes in corporate do you have to take a year on sexual harassment? At least one in every major Fortune thousand company that says, "I acknowledge that these are bad practices. I will not do this,"
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that goes into your record.
1: But you know, I want to. Uh, but but the thing that's going on now is there's most definitely a backlash going on in the corporate world and probably everywhere about men basically saying. Uh, gee, I just don't know how to behave now. And I, I can't uh, travel with women as business partners. I can't have lunch meetings with them. I can't have a closed door conversation with them. Um, and this is really ridiculous. But it's happening. I mean, what is your response to men who say that? Has, has anybody said that to you? Because it's definitely going on. Yeah, I've
0: I've heard it from many men, mostly in the the CEO ranks, et cetera, because they're worried about their teams. They're worried about their executives. They haven't seen it directly in their offices, but the what if. Mm -hmm. And my whole philosophy is just like raising children, you hope you're teaching them the best. And if they are good, then this shouldn't be an issue. (laughs) If they're worried about it, then why are they worried about it? Uh huh. You know, get to the root of what the worry is. Yeah. And that will tell you a lot about the individual. Now, the flip side is a female walking in. Because just as there are less than admirable men out there, I also think we have enough women that it only takes one bad apple
2: yeah well and there's lots of these you know pick me women who are ready and willing to put down other women to get to their position
0: exactly and you know what you don't want them in your spirit oh
2: yeah no they they push off other women and use them to get to a higher position and they end up pushing down a whole you know group of women who've struggled to get to a place and they don't last long they don't they may get
0: to that next rung rung, Mm -hmm. ring however you want to that promotion but they are not gonna last long. They're gonna lose their team. Remember, people don't quit jobs, they quit
1: bosses. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: And the executives, whomever, or the peers of that person are gonna begin to see through it very quickly. So they may get one notch, they're not gonna get two. Mm. I've seen it happen over and over again in corporate America.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. And
0: it doesn't last long, and the ones that do go up there and kind of give us all a bad reputation. Um, I love to expose them, I don't know about you, but it's just not, it's not good for, for people in general.
2: Yeah, you shouldn't and be tearing down your gender to get to where you gotta go. And I no. have,
1: uh, you know, you know, one of my sayings is every woman for herself is a losing strategy. Oh yeah. My mantra. Yeah.
2: Well, Kristen, um, our podcast focuses on leadership and power and gender. Uh, Would you share something that you've learned that has helped you tap into your power while working in business environments and cultures that often discount and underestimate women?
0: Oh, where to start? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let me give you a good example for one that people can relate to in Michigan primarily. Back in 2000, and I'm going to date this because it's almost 20 years ago, the lines for the executive meetings, when we would have them, we'd take a break. And all, and you can laugh at this once you were there with us, all eight of us women would be in the ladies' room together, and we would have discussions where the lines were in the men's room. And yep. the only reason we had a half-hour break is because
1: the lines in the men's room. <laughs> were so long. We but, loved it.
0: But that gave us an awareness, and at least in technology, which was where my heart was, we didn't have enough strong women or educated women in technology and engineering to help drive that. So there was a group of us that got together um, across a variety of different automotive-related uh, activities: GM, Chrysler, Ford, some that were automotive um, afterparts and, and OE, um and original equipment sellers. And the nine of us started Michigan Council for Women in Technology. And we did that so we could bring women into the workplace in the Detroit and Michigan area. That being said, in order to get it off the ground, we wanted to have a scholarship program. So I went to Ford and said, look, we want to do this, but I'm not going to do it unless you're going to stand behind and represent us.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
0: the question was, well, are we doing this just for women? Yes, we are. Well, why? Well, you've got a diversity initiative here. And if we don't start at the ground floor, we're never going to get enough people through here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was kind of the aha. Uh-huh. And they said, how much money do you want? I said, well, you're my first stop, so you better make it good. <laughs> and good isn't 10 and good isn't 20. So I want minimum 25 where I'd like, but I want. And they said, well, we've got to run this up the flagpole. I said, fine, I'll walk, in with Jack. I'll walk to Jack with you. Let's go ask him. He's like, well, we got to make an appointment. I said, Uh, ah, he's in his office. I already checked. <laughs> and so we went over, and Jack said, I think it's a great initiative. Go for it. So once I had Jack and my CIO on board, it was very easy then to make calls into GM and Chrysler and get them to match that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And once we did that, the dominoes started to roll.
1: And that's a lesson. Programs. I guess that's a lesson about tapping into your power in terms of lining up your ducks ahead of time, but also who you know and, and using those. And, and also, I guess, ask for what you want.
0: Yeah, well, and, and you need to. There's no, no one's going to ever say, oh, you should have asked for more.
2: Well, right. fear fear <laughs> the women in the restroom, because that's the war room. Uh, Kristen, <laughs> how can our listeners get in touch with you? Do you have
0: a website? I have a website. It is www.momentumfranchise.com
1: group.com. Kristen O'Day, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, she is the CEO and president of the Momentum Franchise Group. Uh, putting your three decades of business, technology, finance skills to work to help uh, entrepreneurs, specifically women and veterans. We didn't even get a chance to talk about veterans, oh, but yeah. I know you have a specific interest there because they're in transition as well, um, to really avoid really costly pitfalls um, when looking at franchises. You want a last word there, Kristen? No, ladies, I just really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and Anne to
0: reminisce on some of the things <laughs> that made as great leaders a long time ago and, and kind of set the, the trajectory for where we are today. Um, Monica, I think you're... Involvement here and and the perspective of millennials is one that we need and need sorely. Um, I think it's just something that you you, you look out on today and there's not enough people asking the right questions and helping to open our eyes to where
1: we need to go. So I thank you for that.
2: Thanks. I've learned a lot from this, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And I will see you at the Automotive News uh, Congress for um, Leading Women in the Auto Industry in October. Looking forward to it. Okay. I'm Ann Doyle. <laughs> and I'm Monica
2: Doyle. Hey,
1: let's all go. Power, Power up. up. Thanks for joining us at Powering Up. We hope you'll subscribe and share us with your network. Monica and I would love to hear from you through the Powering Up Women Facebook page or at Ann Doyle LDR on Twitter. And remember... Power is the currency for getting things done. Claim yours and put it to work.